0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We can't be
1: in the same room, but a podcast can't be stopped. The cinemas are empty, the industry is fucked, but we won't go long. We're not going out, we're staying
2: at home. And when we watch films, we watch them alone. Sit in our pants, stick on something
1: crap, and then we hit Skype for a little, little, chat. Chat, little chat, little chat, little chat, little chat, little chat, little chat, Friends, it's, uh, we're back. The lockdown uh, film chat continues. We're in our rooms, and uh, we are delighted to be joined by uh, a guest. We got our uh, friend Georgia with us. Georgia. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. How are you finding uh, lockdown? Are you uh, are you are you are you watching? You watching stuff?
3: Oh, I'm watching. Well, the thing I've been finding, I don't know if you guys have found this. I was like, oh, okay, lockdown obviously sucks, but you know, you can use all the spare time to watch all those like amazing pictures, like the really like famous ones that I've never seen before. But all my dumb brain wants is like comfort and nostalgia. So I like the, the other day I went on Netflix to watch The Pianist and um, ended up watching Space Jam. Like <laughs> the same thing happens again and again. Oh, actually. Managed to, um, our house got struck by lightning the other day, and it um, blew up the TV. <laughs> so...
2: <laughs> Blimey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Didn't get things for a few days, but we've we've ordered a new one.
1: As if a global pandemic wasn't bad enough.
3: Exactly. You
1: had to get struck by lightning as well.
3: And we've Retire. got a plague of fruit flies as well. It's like, I've really, I've really angered someone. How many
2: the... <laughs>
1: acts of God can be inflicted on one household?
2: <laughs> Do you have any firstborn sons Do you, because... I mean...
3: Uh, well, not anymore. <laughs> there actually is.
1: There, I saw in the news there was a plague of locusts. As it's in, There's some sort of African plague of locusts, I believe, going on right now. And,
3: and in America, they've got the sort of the double bees or the, the killer wasp hornet bees.
1: The double bees? <laughs>
3: double bees. <laughs> two,
1: two, is that a... Well, you 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 are a zoologist, so I assume that a double bee is... <laughs> Is like a real thing.
3: Oh god, yeah, I'll run with this. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and what is a double B?
3: Um, <laughs> it's when you get two bees, and they <laughs> yeah they, they join for they join forces and become <laughs> more powerful than you can possibly imagine.
1: Like a B Voltron.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
1: I uh, I also rewatched something recently, something that I regard as as a comforting thing from my childhood it's just like putting on an old jumper like a well-worn pair of jeans to me of course I'm talking about the uh, movie Fifty Shades of Grey the 2015 modern classic film Rewatch that I'm genuinely really fascinated by it I just think it's a it's, it's it's a really odd like cultural product and the thing that really stuck out to me on a second viewing is just like the the sort of I I really felt the burden uh, on the filmmakers of having to do this, that like Hollywood, which doesn't normally churn out mass entertainment, mainstream erotic blockbusters, has to do it because the book was so successful. They have no choice. They have to make a sex film and it's going to make like three hundred million dollars. And it's not just a sex film, but it's about like BDSM. So it's like the biggest movie in the world. It's going to be about whippings and beatings uh, and in a sexual context. And also the story itself is deeply conflicted about whether it's actually okay to do that sex or not. It's like it's the central thing that it's hot, but it's also like the product of childhood trauma or something. And the movie ends on this incredible downer, the way they break up after she like a beating goes wrong. And it's just really insane. And I can just, you can just feel that the the weight of this on the film and how uncomfortable it is with its own existence. And I just find that a very intriguing, you know, mood. You can almost feel the movie like with this doing this deep intake of breath every time it's about to launch into a sex scene. Like, oh god, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I hope this is gonna be okay. There's fucking spankings in this scene. Like, are people gonna walk out? Is it all right? Like millions and millions of people will watch this. And uh, it just seems really self-conscious and, and uncomfortable with itself. Um, so 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 relatable, you know.
3: <laughs> I have a question about the film. There's, yeah, go ahead. There's a bit in the book. I haven't read it, but I've, I've seen excerpts. And there's a bit in the book where he pulls out her tampon in a, wow. what I assume is meant to be a romantic gesture. Does that make it into the film?
1: That was on the cutting room floor if they filmed that. <laughs> That's a I, shame. There's no... There's no tampon, erotic tampon removal scene. I mean, is it is that is that like is that like during sex or does he do that like you know th- at another time? I
2: think pre-sex. Yeah, not during. That'd be mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, in a sexual situation, you know, yeah. Sorry, he's just sort of doing yeah. it some other time.
2: Yeah, sorry. I know you know what sex is. I, don't, I felt <laughs> like I was slightly patronising. Okay, are <laughs> you you you... Oh bless you <laughs> sexually naive friend of mine <laughs>
1: it's a, it's it's very it's very low on like actual sort of um uh i don't know like it's it's not very graphic at all the actual sexual content of it is extremely like you know genteel almost there's basically some toplessness and some bottomlessness some bums
3: never at the same time
1: but never at the same time <laughs> never the twain never shall meet. never at once. <laughs> But like, as soon as anything actual, like actual sexual activity begins, the film it cuts away very, very quickly. So it's sort of slathered in slow mo and um, kind of smooth sex music. And and the, but like, as soon as they start having sex, it's like, no, we have got to get out of here. Like this, this, this is too much. The audience won't be able to take it. Like he just spanked her three times. Like you know, the, the, the Pope is going to destroy this film if we if the scene continues. So uh, so yeah, the the only kind of like bit of real sexual detail or whatever is is he puts on a condom in one scene i find that notable which i think i mentioned on the podcast when we reviewed this film initially that he sort of tears it open with his teeth in a sexy way hubba 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 hubba. uh yeah which i find to be socially responsible filmmaking with a good message for the kids but other than that yeah uh yeah just an just an oddity
3: do you guys remember buying me the book for like my birthday (laughs) Yeah, I, I
1: bought it. I bought it for you. And when a second ago you said I've I haven't read it but I've read excerpts, I Ooh. was hurt. <laughs> That's a fucking gift from me.
3: I still have it. I just
1: <laughs> You were really unhappy about receiving it. You were not amused. I thought it would be funny. You didn't care for it. You were pretty pissed. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't know you'd remember that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course. Of course I remember it's etched into my etched yeah. into my memory. We stopped yeah.
3: speaking for about a year.
1: We did, yeah. That was a wow. That was a rough patch for the for the old friendship. I struggled <laughs> to recover, and like I just kept buying you more books from the series in the hope that. And then I started buying you the parodies and like the knockoffs that had the, the black and white covers but were different, and it just wasn't pay. It wasn't working out.
3: Not enough color.
1: Um. Too much grey.
3: Too much.
2: Too much grey. Uh, I have a dog called S- Smooth Link. Talking of science. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Georgia, you're, a, you're the closest... Well, you are a scientist in my eyes. I don't know if that's like well. a, a, a... You know, if you've got the actual qualifications. I don't know what you do, but I see you as just a sciencey person and a woman I can ask any random science question at and you'll just have the answer. Always. Uh, but, this, but this is a film podcast. And I was like, wait a second, let's combine the two. So uh, films are notorious for having, you know, poor science sometimes, unless you're Christopher Nolan and have hired, like, Kip Thorne to do all the maths for you or whatever. And uh, I've got a few movie-related questions about science that I just need the answers to. Question one. My favourite film of all time, Lucy. <laughs> it, <laughs> the, the premise is that most of the time human beings aren't using the, the entirety of their brain. They're like using a perfectly small percentage of it. But she uses 100% of her brain and then she can do basically anything uh is that is is that what happens is that is that is that real life
3: <laughs> she can like she gets so smart she can like flip cars around and stuff <laughs> we're too dumb to do that usually um yeah that's 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 a that's not true um surprisingly oh, big God. big shock yeah um i think they use that one in, in limitless as well don't they that um he just starts using 100% of his brain and he cracks the stock market in a day like if you think about it from from an evolutionary point of view brains are like this incredibly expensive thing to make biologically and with energy and stuff and um also like they kill loads of women in childbirth because they so, our heads are so big so imagine doing that and then be like oh but only use 10 percent of that stuff it would make absolutely no sense like people would either end up with really tiny heads with like these really efficient brains or it all becomes super clever like it wouldn't make sense to have like of our brain that we just never ever use for no reason
2: it's just Lucy just become my second favorite film then
1: (laughs) I just want to say I I just like the concept it's definitely something which came out of some like random factoid in a magazine it was read by somebody once and you know became some bizarre internet rumor someone was like I can spin an incredible uh incredible science fiction premise out of this um, and I I would just like to see a film which is about someone discovering they they only use ten percent of your feet or something, or <laughs> he only uses ten percent of his nose, and then he discovers how to unlock the remaining ninety percent, and he's got an insane sense, you know, incredible sense of smell.
2: I always thought like. Thought of it as like you know, when you're driving and not using 100% of your car, if you use 100% of your car, you're like going for all the gears, braking, turning on the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like popping the hoods, spinning around in circles, just be fucking mad, you never get anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, crazy. and do you want to do, do you want to ask a question or should we alternate?
3: Well, should I ask you guys a question? You can ask us a
2: question. Is that, <laughs> um, yeah, we be to, yeah, go for it. <laughs>
3: Um in the film The Martian, could you really make potatoes from poopoos?
1: Oh, you're asking the the dancers, the <laughs> science question. Is 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 this is this tendency this, this is like um mastermind now or something and you're going to correct us if we get it wrong. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> I, I kind of know. like the I like the pop quiz format actually. I I would I would guess that it's um uh that it's you know based in facts because The Martian is that the kind of the whole thing that it's sort of based in real science and you know probably not actually accurate but you know there's it probably is sort of true that you could uh you know shit in a bag use that as fertilizer and grow potatoes from your own shit or no or no
3: well i can't even get plants to grow in like normal soil on earth so...
2: <laughs> but, but are you a nasa level you're not a botanist, botanist. I'm not, Matt Damon. You're not a NASA Why are they botanist?
3: taking a botanist? What waste of a space on the spaceship?
1: In case, in case they, I don't know, in case they needed to survive there for a year, I guess. And <laughs> in in he, he's probably him. also brought for his incredibly fertile uh, uh, poos that he does, his like, <laughs> insanely fertile <laughs> stool.
2: I thought the big like science faux pas in that movie is just like the storm at the beginning. There's like there's no atmosphere on Mars, so there obviously wouldn't be a storm that blew over that rocket ship, like if you that's like that once you get past that like the science sort of checks out i mean I, I listened to a podcast once i don't know if it was even remotely accurate
3: is that the film where he says i'm going to science the shit out of this
2: yeah, yeah with the shit he was a very literal
3: oh hmm. i'm going to and he and he shits the science out of this as well
1: i'm going to i'm going to fucking take a compost dump out of this <laughs> i'm going to poo soil
2: <laughs> uh Sam,
1: would you like to ask a science question? I'd love to ask one. All right, Georgia, you're back, on, you're back in the hot seat for the next science question. Line from the Matrix, a classic Matrix quote many people refer to uh, from Morpheus. He says, The human body generates more
0: bioelectricity than a 120 volt battery and over 25,000 BTUs of body heat. Combined with a form of fusion, the machines had found all the energy they would ever need.
1: Uh, is it true that humans could be turned into, uh, batteries, human batteries in order to sustain a, uh, robot civilization?
3: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know about the numbers involved, but I think this would be an insanely stupid thing for the robots to have done. Um, humans, like we don't really generate energy. We can, we convert food energy into you know running around thinking generating heat and stuff and we don't do that very efficiently so basically they'd be taking energy from things like I don't know I assume like lettuce or something and turning it into energy for humans and then harvesting that energy but it'd be so much smarter to just burn the the food in the first place you'd get so much more out of it then or like if you had to use an animal don't use a human like use like a cow or something that doesn't want to like you know break the matrix and escape i think the only thing they they could have done really to like power their like super robot state is like sun energy or um nuclear uh, energy, i think you'll I think. find
2: in the matrix uh during the rebel wars they like ruined the sun or something they like like they, they polluted the yeah, sky and and they the...
3: yeah we build a tower they're super intelligent
2: okay, robots. Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Could have built a tower.
1: <laughs> Maybe this is another film which takes place in a world where humans only use 10% of their brains. Ah. And like, if you switch on the remaining 90%, it's like this like, mega burst of energy coming from the brain. That, that, that insane brain we've got. If
3: they've, if they've got rid of the sun, how are they getting food for the humans?
2: There's a line where they like, they liquefy the dead and then feed it to the living. I don't know. Surely that Surely would just run that's out. that's
3: not sustainable. Yeah, it's
2: just like the the cost benefit of the entire huge uh, human farm seems ridiculous.
3: Silly, robots. Maybe they maybe they like don't really do that much. Maybe like there's just one iPod <laughs> they need to charge.
1: Yeah, they don't consume any energy. So maybe they have a sentimental attachment to the human race, and even though it's inefficient, doesn't matter. It's just nice to keep us around.
3: Are they making? A new matrix.
2: Yeah, uh, it looks amazing. Have you guys been following this sort of Twitter hype around it? No. no?
1: Is it is it going to be mainly about the battery capacity of a human <laughs> body?
2: Well, I ho- I hope so. But they were shooting. I think they were shooting in San Francisco, obviously before the lockdown. And like, there's just this shots from people, um, shots from people's iPhones of just like these insane looking stunts they're doing like around San Francisco. It's just like a guy dressed like Kenobi, like like literally leaping out of a skyscraper or whatever. So. They uh, if nothing else, there'll be some cool practical stunts. There's a great shot of like Keanu Reeves just like going past on that motorbike just like giving someone a peace symbol. He's like, "Hey, I'm Keanu Reeves now. I'm just super cool. Everyone loves me. Riding around."
3: Went from a mediocre actor to the world's most loved man.
2: Very much so. He
1: definitely converted his reputation into national treasure status and like sex symbol quite quite eff- effectively. I feel like the turning point in the Keanu Reeves career was that sad Keanu meme. I felt like from then on, he made this effort to rebrand himself as just a chill dude. Yeah. You know, I'm not sad. I'm just fucking chill. And I'm actually f- hot and ageless.
3: Affleck hasn't had that kind of turnaround because he had the sad, sad Affleck.
1: Yeah. He responded poor, more more badly to the sad meme about him. He just got it's more a lesson. sad. It's a lesson in what to do if you become a sad meme. <laughs> Think about that.
2: My
3: favourite film stars Bridget Bardot. she's the queen but
1: she wants to be in radio, so she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her but she beats them in the end. So uh, Georgia, you suggested a film for us to uh, re-watch and talk about on this podcast, do you want to uh, in- introduce it and say why you, why you wanted to, uh, to discuss this film in particular?
3: Um yeah we were trying to watch some old um old Oscar Oscar hits and I think American Beauty was on Netflix which is why we picked it. And obviously given Kevin Spacey's uh I was going to say career is not the right word for it um crimes <laughs> crimes that have <laughs> crimes. come to light. Yeah. Um like that was at the front of my mind for a lot of the film but then I I sort of looked it up online and it seemed like at the time it was one of those films that everyone loved. And then since then, it's one of those films that is now like quite cool to hate or is quite like shitted upon. And I was really curious to get your guys take on whether this is like a case of a bad movie just sort of pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. Or if it's something that like, you know, maybe they did do something new, but it's been sort of satirized and pastiche so much since then that now it seems cliche and old when actually it was doing it for the first time. So, I, I wanted to hear your wise film brain thoughts.
0: We're having everyone write out a job description. That way, management can assess who's valuable and who's expendable. My parents are trying to take an active interest in me. Why can't they just have their own lives?
2: I'm so
3: proud of you.
0: You didn't screw up once.
3: Oh my God. It's a psycho next door. Jane, what if he worships you? I didn't mean to scare you.
0: I'm not obsessing, I'm just curious.
3: Why does he dress like a Bible salesman?
0: Today I quit my job, and then I blackmailed my boss for almost $60,000 past these fairs. Your dad's actually kinda cute. I think he and your mother have not slept together in a long time. Shut up! You think you're the only one who's frustrated? I'm not? Well then, come on, baby, I'm ready. Welcome to America's weirdest home videos. This is for your own good, boy. There are rules in life. Yes, sir. Don't give up on me, Dad. Smile. You're at Mr. Smiley's. You are so busted. I love shooting this gun. Sometimes there is so much beauty in the world. I feel like I can't take it.
1: Well, I uh, uh, I watched it this afternoon. I was really, I was really looking forward to rewatching it because I've have, I've, I have have i i was not uh, like as aware until googling um, around like commentary after the fact, especially because it was a, the twenty um, year anniversary of the movie last year. How much commentary there seems to be about how people don't like it now, but that seems to be a thing a lot of people are saying, and I, I wasn't aware it had that sort of like broader reappraisal. Um, but it, but I was aware that it was a very like a film of its time, like a, a very nineties kind of movie. So I was interested to see it from that perspective and, you know, how culture has changed so much since then. And it's just, I, I find the 90s an interesting decade just because it feels so different to now, but also I was alive then. So it's one <laughs> of the few things where I feel like I can properly experience it twice, you know? And I would have seen American Beauty like when I was a young, like, I don't know, early teenager or something like that, probably when I was about 14 or 15. And uh, it was, I was I, I was expecting to think it was bad. Um, and I was just... I I do think that. I think it's pretty terrible, but it was (laughs) just—I was just so—it was so striking how strange it is. I just found it so weird. The soundtrack is just nuts for this film, (laughs) like uh, really jarringly odd. And that kind of like combination of the um, white picket fence American suburbia and that sort of xylophone-heavy marimba soundtrack thing, which which I feel like became essentially the soundtrack to like every American television show with a certain kind of quirky tone about like um like Desperate Housewives or like there's like a million shows that that are about sort of um like regular life like office life or work life or home life um but in a slightly quirky way but it feels very influential And, and in American Beauty it's especially odd and jarring And the whole tone of the film is very, very strange. Some of the plot developments are like screwball comedy things, which feels like at odds with everything else. It's all a bit like um, uh, cynical and sort of um, cutting. And there's loads of characters who are just these like cartoons who exist to be mocked or like uh, hated. Um, And then this like sort of uh, through line of deep sincerity, this corny sincerity Uh, about the beauty of life which isn't doesn't like come through in the film like at all it's just like some characters have this attitude of like god life is so dang beautiful but there's nothing in the film that reflects that like way everyone acts in this kind of petty mean way and i just found it super bizarre it's like a i felt like it was like i was attending a self-help course or something it's so weirdly preachy and like I'm sure we'll get into it more, but just like one thing that I think encapsulates this movie is completely in like so such an strange and alien perspective is the fact that the the central character, Kevin Spacey's character and his wife have very, very similar character arcs, but she is like sort of mocked and derided as a kind of clown the entire film. And she's brilliantly portrayed by Annette Bening, who does a, she's like, does a great performance as that kind of clown character. But it basically is a figure of fun throughout. um, and, and at the end is listening to a self-help tape about how you should need to believe in yourself and stuff. And we're obviously supposed to be like, what a sad, tragic woman. She's such a loser. But, but she's exactly the same as him. Like, exactly the same. They both end up doing things. They're dissatisfied with their life. They pursue their narrow self-interest and do a bunch of, like, shallow things, like... Like, she just, like, fucks some guy because she admires him or whatever, and she pursues her career in dress. He buys toys and, like, decides to get swole and, you know, gets a fucking sports car, smokes weed and stuff, and generally acts like he's having a sort of unbelievably lame midlife crisis. And yet he is kind of self-actualizing in this heroic way, and she is, like, this total loser. And I just I was like, what the fuck is going on? And, like, when she's listening to this self-help book, which is, like, Uh, never be a a victim like you you know you make yourself the victim i was like that but that are we supposed to laugh at this because that's the message of the film as well like that's exactly what kevin spacey's character believes so i just found it really weird uh yeah danny what did you what did you make of it
2: yeah it was uh it was fun to revisit it's so it's so 90s like i was looking up the sort of movies that were released around that time it's like 99 and it's it's like that the matrix fight club and maybe magnolia to a certain extent or like todd salon's happiness they're all about like the the you know the hippies have grown up and it was all it never happened like and i was truman
1: truman shows truman
2: as well. show as well but i feel like american Beauty's success is just down to the fact that there's a lot of film critics that resemble kevin spacey's character there's like that i think about all the time there's a great uh, quote by um David Lee Roth from Van Halen is like music critics like uh, Elvis Costello because music critics look like Elvis Costello. And I feel like American Beauty is just like the most, despite its winners is the most sort of like user friendly uh, film that had that theme of like alienation or whatever. Like every movie that's kind of doing that at the same time is much better than it. But it's just the one that is most uh, a simpatico with a sort of middle aged film critic.
1: Yeah, it's really funny that it came out in the same year as Fight Club when it has like very similar themes and even almost identical scenes of the protagonist blackmailing their shitty boss in a way that's supposed to be incredibly cool and brave
2: yeah but in in Fight Club he beats the shit out of himself it's like that movie you know's that that's a, better,
1: that's a mu- that is a much better film Fight Club is a much better film but yeah it's just funny how like how similar they are and uh yeah the matrix another th- another movie about like you know oh man my life sucks and it's so boring and I'm- my office is bullshit and so on but but that that is also i mean that's a classic film that's a great film the thing that this is not
2: yeah i found i think you you were touching point is just like it's such a sort of it's so obviously a bloke wrote it you know what i mean it's just like a sort of miserable middle-aged dudes film and particularly the character of ricky fitz which is just like a sort of Manic Pixie Dream Boy uh, author avatar. It's like, what if I was really handsome and I could make my crazy art films and I smoke weed and I'm kind of cool, but I'm also like a bit damaged and aloof. I thought that actor was just doing like a Herculean task, delivering some of those lines. He's like filming a dead bird. He's like, it's beautiful. Filming a fucking bag. Just like, you. I don't think Daniel Day-Lewis could like handle that dialogue as well as this guy does. This Wes Bentley, you know... It's a terribly written role, but my God, did he act the hell out of it. It
0: was one of those days where it's a minute away from snowing. And there's this electricity in the air. You can almost hear it. Right? And this bag was just... Dancing with me. Yeah. yeah,
3: I found that character quite not not quite problematic, not that bad, but like the fact that he just like won't stop filming this girl It's um, so creepy and she finds it's it really insane. flattering. It's like no that no one would find that flattering. Like Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like it's just not okay. It's completely inappropriate behaviour. that the film is, considers it to be, I don't know, cool. I, I mean It's just very, just very, very strange. And the treatment of the Mina Suvari character is also pretty unpleasant, I think. Yeah. Like, the film's attitudes to what you're supposed to find important I find just very impenetrable. It's really, really hard to understand what the film thinks you should value. Like, why is it that splurging all your money on a sports car is, like, cool, but, like, wanting to be a model is shallow and stupid you know i don't Why? why is the one thing more good than the other it's got this like preachy attitude towards authenticity and like uh it's all about like uh how pretending to to act along like being a conformist with society is bad and like just saying you know fuck all the bullshit and i'm just gonna say what i mean it's basically like you know that Simpsons episode where Bart is becomes the say what you mean boy or whatever. I'm probably misremembering it. You know, I do what I like or whatever. Yeah. Do you remember this?
3: Yeah, because I felt like that's basic. It,
1: right? Yeah, that's basically American Beauty, except without any like that. That episode kind of comments on the selfishness of that ethos, but American Beauty embraced it. But like his, all of the things that he wants to do are the goals of a shallow consumerist society like be hot get laid uh have cool things have fun toys and cars and you know like his when he embraces his true nature he just does the same shit that other people who are supposedly putting up a shallow facade are doing like Suvari's character is so concerned about being hot so she can be a model and then his character gets really concerned about being hot so he can fuck this like teenager but, you know, but that's good. Do you know what I mean? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah,
3: what, like he, the same character is like criticizing his wife. There's one bit where he seduces her on the sofa and then she's worried he's gonna spill his beer on it because it was a two grand sofa or something. And he's like, ugh. But he is the same exact person who like a couple of scenes later goes out and spends money on this really like stupid looking flash sports car. So it's like, which one is the right way to spend your money pointlessly?
0: What? Uh, whose car is that out front? Mine. 1970 Pontiac Firebird. The car I've always wanted and now I have it. I rule! Aha, uh-huh, where's the Camry? I traded it in. Shouldn't you have consulted me first? Hmm, let me think. No, you never drove it. Yeah, to go back
2: to like your original question, I think it is just like, such a product of its time. And just, uh, you know, don't you hate it when you're like, rich but a bit bored is just such a sort of (laughs) like annoying uh point of view where like you know for maybe like two weeks for a certain uh, section of society that was like oh this movie really speaks to me but it just feels like its moment passed quite quickly uh yeah something i find like like i've noticed in so many films like particularly most recently something like marriage story but i think it's very true of like any kind of critically acclaimed Uh, drama, which has, like, comedy elements, is where the comedy is, like, incredibly lame and, and, like, very broad. Like, the jokes are about, like, people being shallow or stupid or, like, it just makes you feel kind of, like, smug for being smarter than the idiots in the film. And it's, like, I find it particularly irritating where, like, the movie thinks it's very clever clever, but, like, it's the most lowest hanging fruit, kind of snarky humour to it. It's like, you know, Bridesmaids is funny. This isn't funny. This is just, like, oh, Annette Benning. Uh, it's so stupid. Doesn't it self-help, tape And, like, it's just... Uh, I found that stuff kind of really interminable this time round. But I did like the sex scene. I thought that was good. I think Annette Benning's like, giving it such, like, like welly that it kind of, like, just about gets over the finish line, even though her character is, like, really underwritten. I don't know. But I, I love Annette Benning.
1: I think she's doing the best performance in the movie. And she's in a comedy, basically, and is really going for it. And... I think her character is pretty terrible, but I thought she was doing a good job in the role. But yeah, I think... Yeah, I completely I completely agree with what you're saying about, like, the sort of mean humour. And it doesn't at all gel with the film's kind of open-eyed, there's beauty-and-everything kind of message to treat its characters as these, like, unsympathetic idiots who just deserve audiences' contempt. And that's a very... I, do, I think that is, like, quite a common thing where in order to make you relate to essentially an unsympathetic protagonist or someone who's often someone who's just really selfish, then the people in their life have to be made as unsympathetic as possible so that you can like, understand why they're unhappy. If she was a nice person, then Kevin Spacey's treatment of her would be totally unacceptable. So she has to be portrayed as like, deserving of being like, belittled and bullied. Yeah, and it's just, it's just mean. Like, I just think it's a bad kind of ethos for the film.
2: Georgia, what was the weirdest thing? Like, because you you're coming with fresh eyes. Is there a particularly like Cause watching it again, I was like constantly struck by like this is a weird scene. Particularly like the sort of the the way the movie treats homosexuality, I thought was very strange and very dated. Like, is there anything like any one scene that like stuck out as like particularly like, huh? This won an Oscar?
3: I don't know. The the scene the scene where I was most like, ugh, I want to stop watching this is when he first meets uh the sexy blonde teen and like he doesn't just fancy her. He does like a cartoon character's response to a hot person where they like go mad and like can't (laughs) can't see and imagine things.
2: His tongue rolled out of his mouth for like five feet and it's a real yeah, His his
3: (laughs) eyes popped out his head kind of thing. Like it it just seemed like very extreme and and also like I said earlier, like it's Kevin Spacey, so you're just like (laughs) Oh God. I think the film does at times paint him as pathetic. I don't think they're always saying he's like this hero, but it sort of switches between the two. And I wasn't left sure if the film was laughing at him or cheering him at points, if that makes
2: sense. No, definitely. It's such a sort of confused screenplay. I don't know, like, uh, it's weird. It's such a sort of like his sort of, uh, you know, rebirth as a character is fancying basically a child. And, that, and then the movie is, like, cool. And then, like, his arc is complete when he like, manages to see her as a child again when she confesses her virginity. And he and he's sort of, like, fathers her. Mm. And then the sort of moral perspective of the film is just, like, good. It's like, ah, he didn't fuck a child.
3: <laughs> well done, And <laughs> all was well with
2: the world. I think it's very, like, uh, Sam Mendes, where, like, everything is, like, kind of loaded with symbolism, which ultimately means nothing. It's I don't know like it's like uh, it's all the color palette's all grey and there's like red and it uh, means stuff and the framing but I think it all it all like basically it's too confused. Uh, Sam was saying.
3: I think the tagline of the film is kind of appropriate given how pretentious it could be. Where the, the tagline is like "Look closer." It's like you thought you could see the surface, but look at all this symbolism I've put in. Wait, look even closer. But then like. The first scene of the movie is this sort of out-of-context bit of tape of him filming his girlfriend where they're talking about killing the dad and then it cuts to the rest of the film and you're like, oh, interesting. But then the film is less interesting than that clip implies it's going to be because then when you finally see the clip, they're just like, just kidding, lol, and then <laughs> move on. It's like, well, I looked closer and it was boring.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that tagline is a bit like... It, it's like if the movie, was, the tagline was, there's subtext or like... This film has themes, you know? It is it is a ridiculous, it is an absolutely ridiculous tagline.
2: Got themes. This is deep.
3: It's funny you mentioned the soundtrack. I don't usually notice soundtracks in films, but, like, you mentioned the marimbas, and when you're making, like, documentaries for radio and you, you need sound effects or music, it's so hard to find something that doesn't sound awful. And, like, <laughs> loads of people just end up using marimbas because it's, like, one of those instruments that just sounds a bit thoughtful. And so, like, there's loads of free marimba music on there, and I end up using it in everything I ever do. And as soon as the marimba started, I was like, "Oh, I'm listening to like a a documentary of not much uh, budget."
1: (laughs) Yeah, one of the one of the things that I that I uh, listened to was like a podcast of Sam Mendes talking about the soundtrack, and uh, it was him talking about it, playing over the music that inspired this like this soundtrack, this like Carl Orff piece of like marimbas um, or xylophones or whatever. And uh, but it it also did sound like it was just the soundtrack that had been picked by the podcast producers to underscore Sam Mendes talking about the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's funny you should say it because yeah, it's exa- it is exactly like that type of
2: music.
3: Who's editing this? Can you put in some marimbas in the in the narration?
2: You no, know, the marimbas will be underneath everything we've just said for the past Twenty minutes. <laughs> just the
1: whole, just the whole, the whole thing.
3: And <laughs> make it pause for a second after we said something a bit dramatic, and then ding, 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 come back in. It'll be really good.
2: You got it. Do, has anyone got anything else to say about American Beauty?
1: I've talked a lot about American Beauty. I have one final
2: thing to say about it. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll listen to another point from Sam about American Beauty, his favourite film. Go ahead.
1: i uh I basically feel like that my diagnosis for why the movie is so strange is that it's like articulating a sense of ennui, which is like very understandable, basically like a dissatisfaction with a with a life that is not fulfilling because you're trapped in a job and like you know you're not doing what you want to do. But but at a time where with the thing like as with a lot of these other types of movies like Fight Club and Truman Show and stuff, there's no there's nothing around to articulate an alternative. Or any, there's no kind of framework that's there to kind of express a more healthy way of living. And the only thing that they have to say is like, just don't give a shit, man, just fuck the, fuck your life and just don't let people push you around and just do whatever you want. And that highly individualistic ethos is what kind of characterizes this response to a problem, which I think is the case, you know, because office jobs are stifling and horrible, Um And I think, like, that's what comes across so strongly from American Beauty is the inability to kind of express a good answer to the problem that it articulates and instead resorts to just this complete chaos, like, which is really unpleasant from the perspective of 20 years down the line. But um, I think that it it raises a good question, but it doesn't doesn't have a good answer. And that's why the movie is so strange.
3: Maybe there'll be a sequel.
1: American beauty too. Beauty harder. I don't know.
2: Look even Look closer. Look even me. closer. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 When Zach Graff heard something
1: that changed his life, what he listened to? And
2: when John Cusack made a mistake for his future wife, what did she listen to? Film
1: child. And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? Film child. And when Tim Robbins showed Shorchak that he had enough, which record did he choose? Film
2: Yeah, 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 Talking of American beauty, I have a cat called Segway. <laughs> Speaking of science. <laughs> right, you're an absolute master
1: of these radio techniques.
2: Georgia, something that's been bothering me since the early 90s. Since you were born? Since I watched the movie Jurassic Park. Since I was born. <laughs> my first thought, my first conscious thought was this <laughs> What is the shelf life of DNA? does the science of Jurassic Park check out? And when I die, should I encase myself in amber so that future generations can bring me back to life using cloning techniques?
3: So Jurassic Park is my favourite film. So I don't want to be too harsh on it it because it does get the science so, so right. Like the dinosaurs look so good for what we knew at the time. And they, like, really looked into, like, how it worked. The book it's based on, like, Michael Crichton did, like, tons of research. So it is, like, it is in theory good. The problem is DNA um, breaks down, like, super quick in in, in the grand so scheme of that's not what it. I wanted to hear. I know, I know. It's, it's tragic. No dinosaurs for you. The half-life of DNA is something like 60 years. So, like, every 60 years it divides by two. <laughs> and the dinosaurs died out. 60 million years ago so like in that time there's basically no chance of anything being left so you could have a mosquito in amber from the cretaceous or whenever and you could have dino blood in there but you wouldn't get dino dna but we could have a jurassic park well we could have a pleistocene park it because they've they've recovered mammoth dna so that might be an option cool um um, but the other idea is, like, you get a chicken or maybe, like, a more dinosaur-looking bird, like an emu or, like, one of those Malibu storks, and you sort of either get in there with some genetic engineering or breed them until you get, like, one with teeth. They get a bit bigger. And then you've got, like, it's not a real dinosaur, but it's a bit like a dinosaur. And then you put them in a park. Don't invest properly in security, and bam, Jurassic Park.
1: Perfect. How long, how long would that take?
3: Hmm. Don't know. It's not, it's definitely not possible now. Although there are some people waltzing around saying they'll do it in like five years time. But if you go back and see when they first said that, that it's like the deadline, the deadline has been many times. So I don't think, I don't think immediately, but I think it's possible within our lifetimes we might see a mammoth. So no Jurassic Park really, but why let that spoil a good franchise slash a franchise with two good films?
1: Uh, Georgia, one of the films that uh, came out recently that I don't believe um, Danny or I have seen was the new Doctor Dolittle movie with Robert Downey Jr. He travels the world. He speaks to many different animals, and they speak back. Um, what's the what's the science behind animal language? You know, how can 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 Robert Downey Jr. speak to them? You know, in theory or or, or in reality?
3: Animals and language is like is like this sort of one of the holy grails of animal behavior. It's like learning to speak to an animal would be like insanely cool. You can speak bee. That's pretty cool. So bees, when they return to a, from a hive, they do a little dance called a waggle dance. And you can learn to decode it. Like the angle they go at compared to the sun is the angle the, f- the sweet, sweet flower is at. And um, the amount of time they spend buzzing in their dance is how far away it is. So you can like decode the little dance of the honeybee and work out where the sweet flowers are, which is really cool.
1: That's very cool. That's the one bee fact I didn't learn from Bee Movie.
3: <laughs> they're not doing the Michael dance in Bee Movie.
1: I don't believe so. It was just that and there was no double bees in it.
3: Double bees? Oh, well, wait till the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we do a, talk about the science of Bee Movie for a second? Yeah, because 100%. Statistically, almost every bee you ever see, um, they're going to be female. Bees are basically just always female. The, the males like stay in the hive and then die. Um, but all the, all the bees in Boo Movie, boys, bee boys. That's
1: true. The Bee Movie actually leans into the science a bit. There's a few, it comes out with a few bee facts. Uh, One of which is like bees are kind of wrecked by rain. He seems to be really perturbed by rain. Is that, do you know if that's based in truth?
3: Oh, I, po- yeah, <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have very select bee knowledge, um, but yeah, most most insects stay out the rain.
2: Any of any any of animals uh, can we communicate with? C- could I talk to a chimp?
3: You could talk to a chimp. So they've done some really cool stuff with chimps and sign language. Like their their throats, the way their throats are set up, they can't really imitate human sounds, um, but they can sign. And there've been a few case studies, sometimes involving quite like traumatizing times for the apes. I think one of them they like let it smoke cigars and drink alcohol and stuff and it was a bit violent um they tried that... they
1: try to get it to play poker as well
3: <laughs> yeah exactly they tried to
2: make the coolest shim that ever lived but it horribly <laughs> play... backfired
3: <laughs> playing saxophone but they can like um they can sometimes put words together um so you teach them the the sign for like uh i don't know run around and then the sign for outside and then if it wants to go outside it might be like run around outside um, so there's, like, some evidence they can, like, put words together. And I can't remember what kind of animal it was. I think they were chimps. But they they taught them the word for dirty. So when they needed to poo, they they learnt the word dirty. And they, like, spontaneously started using it as a swear word. So when, like, when the guy who was called Roger wouldn't let them go outside and play, they'd, they'd sign Dirty Roger. <laughs> so basically would be, like, Shit Roger. So they can swear, which is pretty cool. And I think there's... um. They they like taught a killer whale to count to three. Um, I can send you guys the clips of that because it's really sweet. It kind of barely sounds like it's doing it properly, but it kind of gets there. One, two, three. One, two, three. it's like a, a, a an ocean mammal. It's pretty clever, um, but I don't think they've en- they've ever got anywhere like meaningful. No one's had a DMC. Oh wait, there's that cat. Danny, can you find the clip of that cat that goes Oh Long Johnson? Oh Long Johnson. Oh Long Johnson.
0: Oh Long Johnson.
3: Oh fact i forgot to tell you about the signing chimps is that one of the most famous ones is called nim Chimsky.
1: nim Chimpsky, i i have some familiarity with nim Chimsky because my um my linguist parents uh uh would talk like i remember hearing a lot during my childhood about like uh chimpanzees and language um and they
3: oh, what are you getting me on for you should be talking to them on there
1: well, <laughs> you know, I don't want my parents on my podcast.
2: I, I wanted the record the show that we both noticed that shameless name drop It's just disgusting. My name
1: drop that my parents are linguists.
2: Oh, oh my linguist parents just fucking yeah. rub it, rub it in our faces that our parents are so lame and not linguists. It's the guess, ultimate,
1: it's the I, ultimate flex.
2: I can hear the fucking contempt in your voice that you said that, and uh, <laughs> don't, don't think you got away with that. That's all I want you to know.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. I was born to linguists, and I'm not. I'm not ashamed of it.
3: Yeah, well, maybe you should be.
1: <laughs> anyway, they were skeptical about the um, language capabilities of of uh, of chimpanzees, but it's, uh, you know, there seemed to be a hot topic in uh, in the world of uh, linguistics, at least, or, like, arguments that people were having. So, yeah.
0: Ooh, time for a break from all the film chats. Have a cup of tea, maybe,
1: maybe um
2: should we should we wrap up guys or yeah to... sure
1: no, no i'm very i'm I'm happy to uh, i'm happy to happy to wrap things up
3: what film are you going to review next time
1: i'll obviously be reviewing 50 shades darker is that what the second one's called i think so. um the next 50 um shades and
2: uh, Georgia, if you've any like acclaimed '90s movie you want to be want to have uh, reappraised, please get back in touch.
3: I'll get back to you on that.
1: Are you still are you still watching uh, Oscar winners? Are you making your way through?
3: Yeah, I, I uh, well, I don't remember if this actually did win an Oscar, but should, Schindler's List is on is on the the list, the Schindler's List list. <laughs> um, but we did actually watch the pianist so i think i'm going to need to leave it a while before i can like mentally cope with another film that's sad
1: yeah you probably don't you don't want to go too intensely into hardcore dramas necessarily
3: yeah the studio jibbles are are, are, are nice they're, they're proving pretty good yeah,
1: stick to the jibbles cool well thanks so much for coming on us it was uh it was a, it was a ton of fun
3: um oh it's my pleasure th- thanks for having nice me speaking.
1: informative as always i'm full of knowledge now which i'll be uh dropping. In, in, all of my, in all of my... Drop that knowledge. In my cancers. Get rid of it. <laughs> I meant, you know, dropping it into conversation rather than just dropping it in the bin and forgetting it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Uh, Danny, Also, say great to speak to you as well.
2: <laughs> you, you, both of you. A, a great pleasure from my perspective to talk to the both of you.
1: Really nice. Really good. <laughs> it's
2: just
3: been so nice. One
1: of my best Skypes and Zooms. Uh, that i've had this week
2: <laughs> that i've had today <laughs> top five easily
1: <laughs> top five of today's zooms uh cool all right we'll be back we'll be back soon with another lockdown uh, broadcast in 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 typically slick uh marimba infused fashion
2: you probably understand what i'm saying but don't worry one day you will when you're dead isn't that what he says In the movie He does to, yeah to, to, It's a really weird yeah, line yeah, yeah. Another strange
1: man It
3: ends in a threat
2: <laughs> just trying to get, Give a nice r- wrap up To the episode
1: I felt, like, I felt like That was a um, Like a bit of Sort of Like the film Calling out its own weaknesses Like you probably Don't know what the fuck I'm talking about It's like no I don't I have absolutely no idea
3: <laughs> Well maybe on our deathbeds We will be like Oh shit that film Oh was my god
1: the, mon- the Kevin Spacey voiceover monologue It's all falling into place Someone bring me A, a, a plastic bag And flap it about in front, of, in front of my dying eyes
3: You may not think this film is good But don't worry You're well, You're well.
0: Uh, We need to work together To flatten the curve and fight off COVID-19 um, I think in times of crisis I think we all know That it's, it's, the, it's the celebrities That we count on most They're the ones who are going to get us through this Right after healthcare workers, of course, Uh, first responders, people who work in essential services, Uh, ping pong players, Uh, mannequins, they're great, Um, childhood imaginary friends, sure, like 400 other types of people. Look, stay at home, Uh, practice social distancing, wash your hands. We are going to get through this thing, we're going to get through this thing together.